Hello, wise woman, and welcome to this week's episode of Woman Wellness. This is a show all about natural health and holistic wellness. I'm your host, Wanga Hanyani, helping you to take control of your life, transform your health, and become the best version of yourself. Let's get into it. We are on episode six, and this episode we're talking about diet and how to balance your hormones using diet. Diet is one of the first things that you have to address when it comes to balancing your hormones. The woman in the Woman Wellness Program will tell you that before we address anything else, the first thing that we start working on is the diet, using food as medicine. Now, the principles of healthy eating are the same, but the guidelines will change depending on what you're dealing with. For example, someone who has fibroids and someone who has PCOS we would use soy in a very different way because soy might exacerbate fibroids, whereas might improve the low estrogen factor in PCOS. Someone who has a thyroid issue but also has IBS, we might use goitrogenic foods like the strawberries or the cruciferous vegetables a little bit differently to cater for that irritated bowel. So this is one of the advantages of a woman wellness consultation because we go through this extensively. We meet you where you are in terms of your health and your condition. And then we create a diet that is centered around you and not just a blanket diet. Oh, you have PCOS? Here's a diet. Oh, you have fibroids? Here's a diet. That's not what we do, but rather we look at the whole picture. And if you need a meal plan, then we have the eating for wellness consultant who actually sits down with you and creates meal plans for you. So the three key factors in balancing your hormones through diet is one, managing your blood sugar levels, two, optimizing liver function, three, promoting gut health. Insulin is the hormone responsible for managing your blood sugar levels. When we eat food, our blood sugar levels rise and then Insulin is released by the pancreas to come and process that sugar and take it to the cells for energy, particularly your muscle cells, your liver, and your fat cells. Insulin resistance happens when those cells stop responding to the signal that insulin has been released. And that leaves you at risk of obesity and type 2 diabetes mainly. In the hormonal front, Estrogen has been shown to optimize the function of insulin. So where there's insulin resistance, there tends to be low estrogen production or vice versa. Low estrogen production has shown to have higher blood sugar levels and also high androgen synthesis. A good example of this is PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Women who have this condition have low estrogen, high androgens, high androgen synthesis, so high testosterone, and then also tend to develop insulin resistance. That's one of the risk factors of PCOS. This is why most women with PCOS are being treated with metformin. Metformin is what is used in type 2 diabetes to manage the blood sugar levels. So vaginal dryness is one of the symptoms that you would experience if you have high blood sugar, unchecked high blood sugar levels. The high blood sugar levels damage the cell lining of your vagina causing you know pain during sex affecting orgasm and libido together with it it also contributes to genitourinary infections 
so bacteria and viruses, you're more prone to getting UTIs, you're more prone to getting herpes, you're more prone to getting all these bacterial parasites and viruses because you don't have that protection. There is a low estrogen function. High blood sugar will also lead to inflammation in the body. It will also lead to things like hot flashes and night sweats and obviously some sleep deprivation from that. Now, interestingly, this now becomes a catch-22 because I was recently reading research and it shows that sleep deprivation or not getting enough rest just one night, one night alone can increase your insulin resistance by 5%. 5% are just one night of not sleeping well enough. So if you don't sleep enough, then insulin resistance increases. And if you have insulin resistance or high blood sugar levels, then you don't sleep enough because you have all these night sweats, the hot flashes and all of that. So it's a catch-22. It's like one causes the other that causes the other. And then you're just going round and round in circles. So what foods cause high blood sugar levels? What foods spike our blood sugar levels? So carbs are one of the main foods that spike our blood sugar levels. However, the difference between a carb that spikes your blood sugar levels and moderately increases your blood sugar levels over time is fiber. The more fiber that carbohydrate food has, the more moderately it raises your blood sugar. But the less fiber there is in that food, then that food is likely to spike your blood sugar and then that causes the burden on the body. And this is glycemic index. Low GI means that it's got a good amount of fiber and it's going to raise um, when you eat. It won't spike your blood sugar levels and cause you to crash later on. The glycemic index is rated out of 100. So anything above 70 is considered high GI. Between 56 to 69 is mid-range. And anything below 55, 55 and below, is considered low GI. So generally, if you have insulin resistance or pre-diabetic, if you're obese, if you have hormonal issues, you want to really focus on the low GI foods. Now, some of the foods that I'll mention as examples in the high and mid-range, are actually healthy foods. But again, you have to eat for your condition. So, for example, watermelon. Watermelon is actually high GI. So it has a glycemic index factor above 70. But it's a really healthy food, especially if you have kidney issues. That's going to really rehabilitate you. If you have dehydration, it's really going to hydrate you. But if you are pre-diabetic, or if you're having some hormonal issues and whether it's PCOS or something, then we'll have to work on how you can best eat the watermelon without burdening your system with high blood sugar. So as a rule of thumb, this is very general. Whole foods, organic foods tend to be more low GI. GMO foods and processed foods tend to be more high GI. Also, preparation is key. So whether you fry it, boil it, or steam it will also determine the end glycemic index factor. So high GI foods, you guessed it, the processed foods, all the junk foods, the white rice, the white breads, the fried chips, all those types of foods, those are high GI. So you eat it, you get full quickly, and you crash quickly. Mid-GI is more of your whole wheat breads that have not been as processed and are more brown foods, those are more mid-range. Then fruits 
in particular kiwis, mangoes, cherries, pineapples. These are mid-range. And then low GI foods is really low GI foods. It's your barley, your wheat, your rye, your oats, your whole grains, you know, your cooked carrots. When I say cooked, I mean like boiled and not fried. Boiled potatoes, sweet potato are low GI. Grapefruit, apples, your stone fruits like peaches, nectarines, all those fruits. And then seeds, nuts, those are all low GI. And the advantage of eating low GI foods is that it keeps you fuller for longer. It keeps you going for longer. You don't crash so quickly. And it helps with weight loss and managing your weight in general. Because it's a slow release of energy that doesn't burden your body. Next, liver health. You've heard me talk about the liver. If you haven't heard me talk about the liver enough, go back to the previous episode and I talk about how the liver affects our hormonal health and how you cannot balance your hormones without optimizing liver function. So one of the things that the liver does is it helps with excess estrogen metabolism. It helps your body get rid of the excess estrogen. And how well your liver metabolizes and detoxes estrogen from your body will determine its overall effect on your body. The biotransformation of estrogen in the liver is done in phases and the ultimate goal is to convert estrogen from fat-soluble hormone to a water-soluble hormone so that it can be excreted via urine and a bowel movement. Now there are specific foods that help with this conversion. They are completely underrated but they are superfoods and any hormone balancing diet has to have these foods and I'm talking about cruciferous vegetables, your broccoli, your cabbage, your cauliflower, your kale, your bok choy. These foods are amazing when it comes to hormone balancing. Green tea, garlic and rosemary have also shown similar activity but the added advantage of eating these cruciferous vegetables is that there's also fiber and remember fiber plays an essential role in the last part of excess estrogen metabolism or elimination in that once the liver has converted your estrogen and has carried it with bile into the small intestine, fiber is what absorbs all those estrogen metabolites and escorts them out of the body. If there's no fiber, the estrogen gets reabsorbed back into your body, causing a burden and causing estrogen dominance in your body. So getting some green tea, garlic and rosemary in your diet is very good because those are also antioxidants and I'll talk about antioxidants in a little bit. But the cruciferous vegetables are your starting point when it comes to optimizing your liver function and helping to balance your hormones. Now broccoli, cabbage and the rest of them contain a plant chemical, phytochemical called endoglucosinates. And what these chemicals do, these phytochemicals, they're the ones who help the conversion of estrogen from fat soluble to water soluble. They take it one step further and this is where their anti-cancer properties kick in. In that when estrogen breaks down, it breaks down into a number of different metabolites. Some of these metabolites are actually healthy and protective of our bodies and some of them are cancer causing. The phytochemical in broccoli and cabbage and the rest competitively competes for the conversion of the healthy, the good metabolites and reduces the conversion of the cancer-causing ones. So that's, to me, it blows my mind. It's just like food really is medicine. Food is there to protect us and heal us and, you know, rejuvenate our bodies. And like I said, 
cruciferous vegetables are completely underrated but are a fantastic superfood. Now eating them can get a little boring, admittedly. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I do like to do is supplement. One of the things that I recommend to my clients is to supplement with superfoods, especially if it's something that we're using to help your body bounce back and help heal your body then supplementing with superfoods is one of the things that you can do. And you can get broccoli powder. Drasanvi Superfoods, which is available here in South Africa, has a broccoli powder. And that's one way to get in more broccoli every day because you can throw it in your smoothie, you can throw it in a salad, you can make a little snack out of it. It's more flexible. They have a range of superfoods, all organic, all certified in the EU. And this broccoli powder is 100% raw and it has been cold pressed so meaning that the nutrient integrity is still very intact and having it organically certified it really guarantees you that there are no fillers there's no pesticides there's no heavy metals and it's gmo free and that's one of the things if you're going to supplement because supplement are more um more dense you're taking in more than you would usually would in a meal you really want to make sure that you have a good quality superfood you're supplementing with. You really want to make sure that it's certified by a reputable body so that you don't end up taking something that's just full of pesticides again or something that's full of heavy metals that's just going to do more damage to your body when you are intending to heal it through the same food. And so this is one of the things that I really appreciate about Drasanvi Superfoods is that everything has been certified. I will attach a link to their products down below in the show notes and also a link to subscribe to the newsletter because they have really great natural health information. And if nothing else, follow them on Instagram. Their page is mouthwatering. It's full of delicious recipes. So back to the broccoli. The other thing about the broccoli is that it's high in protein, it's high in fiber, and we've already talked about how it helps with hormone balance, but it's also rich in antioxidants, which is one of the things that you need when it comes to balancing your hormones. You need to also add a lot of, you need to add a lot of antioxidant-rich foods into your diet because antioxidants will reduce the damage, the oxidative damage caused by free radicals in the liver during the time of conversion of estrogen to its metabolites. There is some free radicals that are released and having a high antioxidant diet will help to mitigate some of that damage and antioxidants will have your skin glowing and youthful and supple so the main antioxidants you want to focus on are vitamin a vitamin c vitamin e zinc which is a mineral and selenium also a mineral so your vitamin a are more of your red and orange foods your carrots papaya mango yellow sweet potatoes tomatoes and pumpkins and vitamin c is more of your citrus fruits your pineapples broccoli is very high in vitamin c watermelon as well and then vitamin e is your avocados the spinach the leafy green vegetables some seeds like sunflower seeds are high in vitamin c in vitamin e excuse me and when it comes to zinc and selenium then you're looking more towards your seeds and your nuts those are where you find a lot of minerals so flax seeds hemp seeds chia seeds pumpkin seeds bananas are also good a good source of selenium at the beginning of this year i actually did a skin renew ebook and i talk about antioxidants i go into depth about 
some of these ingredients. I share a couple of recipes. If you'd like the ebook, email me and I'll send you a copy and you can get your skin glowing, but you can also help to make sure that your hormones are functioning optimally. And finally, gut health. Gut health, I said it for liver health, you can't have healthy hormones if you don't have a healthy gut. It doesn't work. It's not going to happen. At the very least, constipation will throw your hormones off. Because remember when we talked about fiber, fiber is what absorbs the estrogen metabolites and escorts them out of the body. So if there's no fiber in your diet, if there's little to no fiber in your diet, if there's stress and anxiety, you're going to end up constipated. And if you're constipated, when the liver dumps the estrogen metabolites into your into your small intestine, there's no fiber, nothing is moving, the estrogen metabolites get reabsorbed back into your body, causing an estrogen burden in your body and then causing estrogen-dominant conditions. But there is a deeper connection. In our gut exists good and bad bacteria, and this is called the gut microbiome or gut flora. We need to have the good and we need to have the bad. There needs to be a balance. Of course, more of the good and a little bit of the bad, but too much of anything is never good, right? So there does need to be a balance. And when there's an imbalance, it's called dysbiosis. Now, dysbiosis can come from a number of different things, one of them being antibiotics. Antibiotics means anti-life. And what antibiotics do when you take them is they go in and wipe the slate clean they go in and wipe it all out they go for the good they go for the bad they wipe they get everybody this compromises overall immunity in the long term but also if you have a bad diet guess which bacteria will end up taking over when you start repopulating the bad bacteria it's obvious right also studies have shown that the pill does the same thing the pill affects our gut flora and promotes the bad bacteria over the good bacteria so there's a lot of information that we didn't know about the pill, the birth control pill. But now we know that it affects our mental health, it affects our fertility, it affects our gut health. There's still so much information coming out about the birth control pill that it's something that we need to do better. We just need to find something, a healthy alternative for women. Because this thing that we thought was so revolutionary is turning out to be quite a monster when it comes to our health as women. I digress. And I must apologize for my voice today. I've been struggling with a sore throat for the past couple of days, still trying to, to get back to normal. So excuse me for my voice. So in the gut microbiome, there exists some good bacteria, which is called estrobolum, and that helps in the metabolism and elimination of estrogen from the body. When this microbiome is unhappy it produces an enzyme called beta glucuronidase and the more of this enzyme it produces the less estrogen is actually removed from the body so we want to make sure that this bacteria is happy it's flourishing it's friendly so that it doesn't produce this enzyme and estrogen is cleared from the body things that affect this enzyme is a poor diet obesity Genetics play a role, antibiotics and the pill, pollutants and alcohol. These make the estrobolum unhappy and cause it to produce more of this beta glucuronidase. Women who have endometriosis, fibroids, estrogen-dependent cancers like breast cancer, ovarian cancer, they tend to have higher levels of beta glucuronidase. So once you start lowering that, you also start to lower the risks of developing these conditions and you also start, if you already have the condition, 
then you start to manage this condition. When it comes to gut health, there's three things that you want to focus on. Number one is probiotics. Probiotics means pro-life. And what probiotics do is they help to feed the good bacteria. So fermented dairy products like yogurt are, are good probiotics, especially if you've been on antibiotics. Fermented foods in general are probiotics. So kimchi and sauerkraut, these are really easy to make. This is actually fermented cabbage. They're very, very simple to make. All you need is some veggies, mainly cabbage. Sauerkraut is just cabbage and some salt. And kimchi is where you go wild. <laughs> and you add green peppers, you can add carrots, you can add garlic, you can chilies, and all of that, and just a little bit of salt. You rub it all together, you can it, and then it, that starts to ferment. And after three days, it's ready to eat. And that's going to go such a long way in rehabilitating your gut flora. And it'll also make your estrobolum very happy. Kvass, which is a fermented beetroot juice, is one of them. So fermented foods, even miso tempeh, which is fermented soy products, are all probiotics. And then second thing to do with your gut health is prebiotics. Prebiotics is actually what helps populate the good bacteria. And this is your allium family, which is your onion, your garlic, your leeks, and then also artichokes, asparagus, dandelion, bananas, and then sea vegetables like nori, dulse, chlorella. Those are all prebiotics. And finally, in a high-fiber diet, fiber will make sure that you're not stagnant because if you're eating a high-fiber diet, if you eat three meals a day, you should have a bowel elimination at least twice a day. If you eat three times a day, you should go at least twice a day. It's actually interesting because when I have conversations with my clients, like, oh, how often do you go? Oh, I'm regular. And I always have to say, tell me what regular is. And I say, oh, I go, you know, once every two days or once every three days. That is not regular. And a high-fiber diet, we've also gone through how that contributes to liver health and also managing your blood sugar. So that's it for today. Come January, we'll be launching our Women Wellness website. I'm very excited. I mean, we're taking women's health to the next level. So if you've been following on social media, then you would have gotten to meet our team. We've got the medical consultant. We've got the eating for wellness consultant. We've got our mindful movement consultant. All these including me, will all be available for you come the launch of womanwellness.com in January and you'll be able to book each one of us for our services and we're all here for you. And I am so excited for the launch of this Women Wellness website and we look forward to helping you on your wellness journey. So next week, we're going to be talking about hormone balance as it pertains to lifestyle and phytotherapy, which is the use of herbs. It is also our season finale. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. If you'd like to find out more about woman wellness and how you can start to heal yourself by making informed and empowered health decisions, then go ahead and book a consultation on the website. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with another wise woman like yourself. Let's build this sisterhood. I'm your host, Wanga Hanyani, and I'll be back next Wednesday. Be well.